This program is made possible by the friends and partners of Unspeakable Joy. Grab your Bibles this morning and turn to the book of Genesis, the first chapter of, or the first book of the Bible. Turn to the 39th chapter. And this morning, I want to encourage somebody, and I hope that I will. I want to just give you a little bit out of my soul and out of my heart on how to thrive when you're trying to survive. Because you're going to find yourself where you find this man in Genesis 39. I want you to look in verse number 2, and then I want you to look in verse number 23. But I want you to leave your Bible open because I will look back at a few verses in this chapter. Genesis 39 and verse number 2. Bible says, And the Lord was with Joseph, and he was a prosperous man. He was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. Now look at verse number 23 of this chapter. The keeper of the prison looked not to anything that was under his hand, because the Lord was with him, and that which he did, the Lord made it to, say that word with me, prosper. Genesis is what we call the seed plot of the Bible. Everything you find throughout the entirety of the rest of the 65 books of the Bible, they're going to be founded, rooted, anchored down in the book of Genesis. When you want to think about the blood sacrifice, you're going to find it in the book of Genesis. When you think about the atonement for man, you're going to find it in the book of Genesis. When you think about man becoming a living soul by the breath of God, you're going to find it back in the book of Genesis. When you find that God is the only hope for man's soul, you're going to find it back in the book of Genesis. Here in chapter number 39, we are arriving in a place where we are again introduced to a man whose name is Joseph. If you've been in church any amount of time, you have heard a message preached, a Sunday school lesson taught about that man whose name was Joseph. Joseph was one of the patriarchs of the Jewish nation. And Joseph was that man that was favored by his father. He was that man that was betrayed by his brothers. He was that man that was sold into slavery. He was that man that was lifted up in Potiphar's house. He was that man that was thrown into prison by a false accusation. He was that man that was brought out of the prison and put into the presence of Pharaoh. And he was that man ultimately that was exalted into the eyes of the king of the world at that time. But brothers and sisters, here's what you find in chapter number 39. When you get to chapter 39, this man whose name is Joseph, chapter 39 is the lowest of the lows when you come into the life of Joseph. He gets no lower than he gets in chapter number 39. He gets no further down in the valley than he gets in chapter number 39. He never reaches a lower place in his life than he does in chapter 39. Now here is what you'll find in chapter number 39. This book or this chapter, it begins in verse number 2 talking about this man who was a prosperous man. And then it ends by saying that this man was a prosperous man. Brothers and sisters, 
That is an old redneck King James way of saying this man thrived. Everything about this man was a thriving thing. Every step he took was a thriving step. Every word he spoke was a thriving word. Every idea he had was a thriving idea. Everybody would look at the life of Joseph and we would say, I want what that man had. But yet whenever you look at Joseph in chapter number 39, when it says that he prospered, that is something that ought not be. Because when it says that he prospered, that he was thriving, the place he was at, he was trying to survive. He was not in a place to thrive. He was just trying to survive. You see, down at Potiphar's house, he's a slave. A slave is not a position of thriving. Down in chapter, the end of chapter number 39, he's in prison. Prison is not the place you would go to and say, there I was thriving. Ladies and gentlemen, you look at Joseph and you say about Joseph, Joseph has all the ability. He has all the knowledge. He has all the open doors to to thrive, yet life keeps throwing at him one thing after another thing after another thing after another thing. And man, Joseph is just trying to survive. Yet in that surviving, you find that he is thriving. Beloved, I remind you right now, life ain't easy and life ain't fair. And just when you think that you got the world by the tail, you're going to find out it's done got you by the throat. It is an amazing thing. We've got a people in this auditorium, people on the live stream, people that will watch this throughout the day. And I would look at you and I would say, everything about you tells me you ought to be thriving. You've got the ability, you've got the look, you've got the open doors, You've got everything in your life that you ought to be thriving. Yet in your life and in your mind and in your heart and in your walk with Christ and in your living and in everything that you do, I look at you and say, man, you ought to be thriving. You're looking at me saying, let me tell you something. I ain't worried about thriving. I'm just worried about surviving. I'm not worried about walking on the water. I'm just trying to make sure the water doesn't cover up my head when I'm afloating in the storm. I know that I ought to be feeding 5,000. I'm I'm just trying to find my sack lunch and figure out how I'm going to feed myself with these sardines and hush puppies. Don't even ask me how to give it to the Lord. I'm not trying to walk anywhere that I cannot. I'm just trying to live where I'm at. And you're saying, Brother Tyler, I want to thrive, but I feel like every day I wake up and I just survive. You say, what is a definition of that? I'm not a, I'm not a, I'm not a, I'm not a real smart guy. I'm more of a redneck kind of thinker. I'm just a common sense kind of guy. Let me see see if this looks like thriving or if this is surviving. You see, thriving would be somebody that's got everything under control, that doesn't have any problems, that doesn't have any issues, that never has any arguments. There are people like that, but they live on lone islands and they never see anybody else. Here's what surviving is. It's when you wake up in the morning and you got a to-do list and you labor all day and you go to bed at night and you ain't accomplished not narrow thing on that to-do list. Am I talking to anybody in the house this morning? You see, surviving is when you wake up with all these goals and ambitions and dreams and a few phone calls and a couple of text messages later, your world is a spinning in a thousand different directions and you don't know which way is up anymore and you don't know which way is down anymore. And a preacher gets up and says, you ought to live the blessed life. You ought to live the thriving life. And you say, I'd love to live the blessed life. I'd love to live the thriving life. And as soon as I figure out how 
to survive, then I'll worry about thrive. Ladies and gentlemen, can I help you? You are not alone. Everybody in this room, if they'll be honest with you and they're not a lying lowlife, they'll tell you that they wake up every day just hoping they make it to the end of the day. There's people in this room right now. They'll make you think they've got the pot of pintos at the end of the day. They're just that mushed up mess they serve you at the Mexican restaurant. You know what I'm talking about. I'm telling you right now, beloved, you and I've got this idea. Their life is perfect. That life is perfect. Their situation's perfect. And all I'm trying to do is survive. I remind you right now, in the midst of thriving, you got to worry about surviving. You are not by yourself. You are not alone. And God knows the truth. Let me give you three little thoughts right quick before I even get into it. I'm going to give these to you as fast as I know how to. Number one, you need to write this down. It is God's desire for you to have a thriving life. It is God's will for you to have a life of blessing and a life of joy and a life of peace and a life of happiness and a life of knowing His will for your life. How do I know? John 10, 10, Jesus made this statement. He said, The thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and destroy. But I am come that you might have life. Ladies and gentlemen, we'd all stop right there and say, Blessed be the name of the Lord. I want to have life. But that's not where Jesus stopped. He said, I didn't come that you might have life. I came that you might have life more abundantly. I'm telling you right now, it is God's will for every man, every woman, every boy, every girl, every white man, black man, green man, purple man, that you have a life that is blessed by God, that is full of the peace of God, full of the joy of God, and full of the presence of God. Number two, the thriving life is not physical. Immediately when I said a while ago, it's God's will for you to have a thriving life. Some of you said, ching, ching, bling, bling, let's go get it done. Can I tell you something? When you look at the life of Joseph, in both of these parts where it said he's a prosperous man, he's a slave and he's a prisoner. Nothing physically blessed about that. That man didn't have two plug nickels to rub together, yet the Bible said he was a prosperous man. He didn't have a house to his name, yet the Bible said he was a prosperous man. He couldn't find the local gold chariot, but yet the Bible said that he was a prosperous man. Here's what God's doing to our nation right now. He's ripping out all our stability, and he's ripping out everything that we rely on because he's trying to show America it's not what you have, but it's who you have. It's not where you are, it's whose you are. And this morning I remind you, in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. You can be as poor as Job's turkey. You can have the smallest trailer that'll fit into a milk carton, but yet you can have a life that is blessed by God and filled with the peace of God and the joy of God. It's not about your boyfriend. It's not about your husband. It's not about your wife. It's not about your cousin. It's not about your mom-in-law. It's not about your dad-in-law. It's not about your job. It's not about anything other than the Lamb of God, the Lord Jesus Christ, that is present in your life. It ain't physical. I don't care if your car breaks down. Lord Jesus, don't let my car break down. I don't care if your car breaks down every other day. You can have a broke down, good for nothing, pinto heap and still have a thriving life. Number three, the thriving life is the devil's hatred. This morning, I woke up and I truly wanted to have the best day I could possibly have. I I woke up thinking, what can I do today to make my day better than it was yesterday? 
Where does my attitude need to change? And I mean, I'm going to do everything in my power to make sure my day is as good as it possibly can be. You do realize the devil, as much as you want to have a good day, the devil is doing everything in his power to make sure you don't have a good day. You see, you're trying to have a thriving life. Lord, I want to have blessings over here, and I want to have blessings over there, and I want to have blessings over there, and I want to have blessings over there. And the devil says, I'm going to do everything in my power, me and my demons, to make sure you don't have a blessing over there, and you don't have a blessing over there, and you don't have a blessing over there, and you don't have a blessing over there. That's why you battle so much. That's why you fight so much. That's why you struggle so much. You see, the devil's got you convinced that you are the reason you're surviving and not thriving. I remind you right now, God is trying to bring into your life that thriving season, that blessed season, that joy-filled season where you walk with Christ and have a real communion with the Holy Ghost and the devil despises it, hates it with every fiber of his being. There are people in this room right now, you are here for the first time. We are honored to have you, but the devil hates your guts. The moment you stepped in those back doors, honey, a big red target got placed on your life. There are people right now, you've been visiting two, three, four, five, six weeks, seven weeks, eight weeks, nine weeks, ten weeks, and you're in the house of God, and you ain't really had trouble until you started coming to church. Has anybody ever stopped to say, why? Because the thriving life, the devil hates it. You know why? Because anybody who has a thriving life has the presence of God in their life and he despises the God of heaven. But I'm telling you right now, it is God's will for you to have a life that is filled with joy, to be filled with the peace of God, be filled with the presence of God. And I know that's wonderful. Man, that's good preacher talk. That makes great Facebook clips. That goes really good on TikTok. People share the fire out of that. But that is hard living. Now, that looks really, really good when you're sharing it on Facebook. When, when, but when your car is out of gas and you just spent your last $1.95 on a chimichanga at Sheets because you couldn't afford a real one, <laughs> it's mighty easy to want to thrive. But most of you are just trying to figure out how to survive. Joseph looks at people and he says, I want you to know you can have a thriving life even when you just have a surviving life. It doesn't matter where you are. It doesn't matter how you are. You can have that thriving even though you're trying to survive. Let me give you four things that I hope will encourage you today. How do you know and how can you have a thriving life when you're just trying to survive life? How in the world can you get there? I'll give you four things. Number one, I'll say them as fast as I know how to say them. You need to remember this. Never forget get this as long as you live. Here it is. The Lord is with you. Never forget that the Lord is with you. How do I know that? Look back at chapter 39 and verse number 2. Look at what it says. And the Lord was with Joseph and he was a prosperous man. Look at verse number 3 now. And his master saw that the Lord was with him. Look now at verse number 21. But the Lord was with Joseph. Look at verse number 23. The keeper of the prison looked not to anything that was under his hand because the Lord was with 
him. Now, in chapter 39, you know where we begin? We begin coming out of a pit, and we're in the house of Potiphar. And you know what Joseph found? When I was in the pit, the Lord was with me. And when I arrived at Potiphar's house, the Lord was with me. And I imagine as Joseph got exalted there in the house of Potiphar, he probably thought, yeah, I'm really glad the Lord is with me. But yet life changed, and people lied on him. And they said he tried to do something that he did not do. And he went out of Potiphar's house, and he ended up in the prison. I imagine there was a night or two where Joseph thought, God, I guess I've really messed up. I guess you've really abandoned me. I guess you've really cast me to the side. I guess you've really turned me this way and turned me that way. But it didn't take long for him to realize the God that was with him in the pit and the God that was with him at Potiphar's was with him there in the prison as well. Ladies and gentlemen, it does not matter if you're back in a pit, the Lord is with you. It does not matter if you got a little success down at Potiphar's house, the Lord is with you. It does not matter if they've lied and cheated and stole on you. The Lord is with you. Ladies and gentlemen, there's not a place you can go. There's not a person you can meet. There's not a situation you can walk in when the God of heaven is not with you. When the phone rings and it's all over, the Lord is still with you. And when a text message comes through and it's all over, the Lord is with you. And when your husband walks out, the Lord is still with you. And when your wife says, I want nothing to do with you, the Lord is still with you. And when your kids say, I hate your God, the Lord is still with you. And when the church people walk away, the Lord is still with you. And when the pastor's done you wrong, the Lord is still with you. And when the deacons won't come to you, the Lord is still with you. I remind you right now, there is no mountain too high. There is no valley too low. There is no river too wide. I don't care if you make it into heaven, the Lord is with you. I don't care if you ascend down into hell, the Lord is with you. I don't care if you're in the valley, the Lord is with you. Child of God, the Lord's never forsaken you. He's never abandoned you. He's never thrown you to the wayside. The Lord is with you. God is with you. God is near you. God is beside you. The Lord is with you. You ready? Whether you got it all or it's all got you, the Lord is still with you. I don't care what your mama says. The Lord is still with you. I don't care how guilty you feel. The Lord is still with you. I don't care how you messed up. The Lord is still with you. I don't care what the preacher said. The Lord is still with you. I don't care how you could have done it differently. The Lord is still with you. Ladies and gentlemen, you do realize when Joseph was on the throne in Egypt, the Lord was with him. And when he was down as low as he'd ever go in the pit, the Lord was with him. I don't care if you're in the cancer bed, the Lord's with you. I don't care if you're on the sick bed, the Lord's with you. I don't care if you're in divorce court, the Lord's with you. I don't care if it's a custody battle, the Lord's with you. I don't care if it's the Duke bill not been paid, the Lord is with you. I don't care if the engine blows up, the Lord is with you. I don't care if people abandon you, the Lord is with you. I'm reminding you right now. Now, it does not matter who's with you, and it does not matter who's against you. The Lord's never forsaken you. It does not matter who it's come against you. There is absolutely nothing in the heights, nothing in the depths, nothing in the wits, nor man, nor angel, nor principality, nor power, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor anything that can separate you and I from the love of God that is in Jesus Christ. Don't you ever forget, the Lord is still with you. Number two. When you are trying to just survive, but you got that dream to thrive, don't forget number two. You ready? This is deep. Do what you can. Do what you can. Look at verse number three, what it says. Chapter 39, verse number three. And his master saw that the Lord was with him 
and that the Lord made all that he did to prosper in his hand. Now I want you to look in verse number 4. And Joseph found grace in his sight, and he served him. Look in verse number 22 of this chapter. And the keeper of the prison committed to Joseph's hand all the prisoners that were in the prison. Now look at verse number 23. The keeper of the prison looked not to anything that was under his hand. What in the world is the reason that the hand of Joseph is mentioned so many times? Here's why. Back when you first meet Joseph, you know what we realize? God put a dream in his head. And Joseph wanted more than anything to see that dream realized. He wanted everything in his life to come to pass what God had put in his head and his heart. You know the problem? The dream of exaltation God had given him was not a reality when he was in the prison. I don't know about you, but there could not be a further truth. I'm going to exalt you by sticking you in prison. And if you're worried about how to get up there, the devil's going to start running in your mind all these things you haven't done. At the end of the day, you know what you've got to do? What you can. Joseph said, I can't exalt myself, but you know what I can do? I can pick up a shovel and dig this hole. He said, I, I can't make the stalks of the, the, the grains of, of, of corn bow down to me, but I can pick up this mattock and dig an irrigation ditch. I can't do a lot of things that are in my head, but I'll tell you what I can do. I can do what I can do. You see, what happens when you get in that place of surviving and just making it day by day and just begging God not to let you falter that day and begging God not to let you fail that day what the devil's going to show you in your mind and in your heart. You're not able to do this. You're not able to do that. You can't turn that, that child around. You can't make that marriage work. You can't do this. If you had done that, this would have happened. If, if you would have done that, how many parents do we know live in guilt of all the things that they did not do and all the things they did not say and all the prayers that they did not pray? And the devil's going to constantly ring that in your mind. But instead of letting the devil rob your today by focusing on your yesterday, you need to look the devil in the eyeball and say, I can't undo this and I can't redo that, but I can do today what I can do today. I did not offer that prayer yesterday, but I can offer it today. I did not love that person yesterday, but I can love them today. I was not faithful yesterday, but I can be faithful today. I did not do right yesterday, but I can do right today. I was not open over there, but I can be open right here. I was not where I ought to be back there. Honey, don't let the devil rob your today by Focusing on yesterday, you got God change your tomorrow by doing what you can right now today. Listen, you can't change somebody, but you can work on you. You can't make the devil stop bothering you. I wish you could. I wish there was a hocus pocus spell that I could say and pray and the devil would leave me alone. I can't do that. But I can walk with Jesus. I can't change all the mean people in this world, but I can be nice to everybody. You see, what the devil does in our hearts and in our minds is we so focus on what we don't have that we won't do what we can do. I love being blessed, don't you? Man, I love stuff. 
I love food. I love chicken. Do you know the only thing that makes Chick-fil-A better? What it is normally? When it's free. Am I right about it? Don't y'all act like y'all don't like a good gift card. No, I know you low-life blind Baptist hypocrite. You love it when somebody lays an anonymous envelope in your pocket or in your wallet and you got that $10 card and you know I can upsize everything and still have a little left over. Yeah, don't, I, I'm looking at y'all in the eyes. I can, tell, I can tell people that know what life's all about. Yeah. When I was in Bible college, I had no money. When I tell you I didn't have money, I'm telling you I had nothing, nothing at all. I used to salivate over Chick-fil-A. I'm telling you, I had no money to buy it. So there were times I would go into Chick-fil-A hoping somebody would be in there that would know me and would offer to buy my food. And don't act like you ain't never dropped no hints. And I'd go in, and you know how many times that actually worked for me? If I told you one, I'd be lying. It still ain't worked for me. And I'd leave a Chick-fil-A honest. I'd go in, and I'd go in and act like I went in the wrong place. Oh, chicken, I'm sorry. No, I leave. <laughs> Fools. And I'd have $2 in my pocket. And I'd ride down the road and I'd be thinking, what am I going to buy with $2? And you know, I would go, and I'd go to a, I'd pull up at a stoplight out on Windover and there'd be somebody out there begging for something. And it never failed. When I went looking for a blessing that I could not find, Holy Ghost would say, give them $2. Lord, I, you didn't bless me. I don't, I don't have this works. You give and then I'll give. And God says, you do what you can and let me do what I can. Now, this has happened to me before. I would give my dollar, I'd give my two dollars, whatever I had in my pocket. And I would always, it'd be under the seat, open up my Bible, and it'd be a five dollar bill. $10 bill, I'm telling you, you do what you can, and God will do what He can. Number three, when you're just trying to survive, you better never forget number three. Here it is. Always do right. <clears throat> Always do right. You see, Joseph had been given a position of honor in the house of Potiphar. And he could have easily, he was given the opportunity to sin with Potiphar's wife in laying with her. Now in ancient culture, this woman, she had power and authority because of who her father was. You see, Potiphar's wife's daddy was the high priest of Egypt. And all Potiphar's wife had to do was go to daddy and say, Daddy, I have found me a new husband. And Potiphar's wife's daddy could have axed Potiphar and exalted Joseph. All Joseph had to do was give in. Now here's Joseph. And Joseph, he's been lied on in the pit. 
He's been betrayed by his brothers. And to all Joseph knows, he's been lied to by God. Because God told him he was going to be exalted, yet he's a slave. It would have been mighty easy for Joseph to say, you know what, God? Everybody else is looking out for themselves. I think it's time that I start looking out for number one, which is exactly what the devil tells us to do. Everybody else is taking care of themselves. You need to take care of yourself. Everybody else is lying. If you're ever going to get ahead, you may as well just go ahead and do that. But ladies and gentlemen, I remind you, whenever Joseph looked at that woman that day, when she made that advance on him, he said, I will not sin against my master, but more than that, I will not sin against my God. And you know where it put him? It put him in prison. But here is what he thought. As he went into that prison, he thought, my God, I'm going further away than where I was. I'm taking steps backwards. I'm not nearly as close to my dream. I'm not nearly as close to my elevation. God, you had me so close in the house of Potiphar, but I I, I was honest and I did not sin with that woman and they lied on me again and I've been put in prison. But here's what happened. Joseph's right choice took him closer to his dream than he ever thought. Because you know where they put him in prison that day? They put him in prison, in the prison of the king. That day they took Joseph and they did not put him in the common prison. They put him in the prison of the king where the king's prisoners were. Why is that a big deal? I'll tell you why that's a big deal. Because God had told him, I'm going to exalt you above the sun. Everybody in that day knew the sun was a picture of the Egyptian Pharaoh. But yet Joseph thought, I'm in the bottom. I'm in the pit. But what he did not realize is he was finally now, oh good God in heaven, he was finally now on the grand level to the place that would take him to the top. All of these steps had been taking him a step closer. All of these steps had been taking him just a little closer. All of these things had taken him. But when he did right, when everybody else wanted him to do wrong, God put him in the basement sub-level where God was going to finally take him up to the top. Here's what I'm telling you, child of God. Every time God gets ready to promote you in life and exalt you in the eyes of people and bless you, he'll always give you a temptation. He'll always give you a trial. He'll always put something in your path to see if you'll offshoot, to see if you'll take the exit ramp. But when the sun falls, do right. And when the stars stop shining, do right. And when the moon doesn't shine at night, do right. And when the angels stop singing, do right. And when the demons whisper in your ear, do right. And when the world tells you to turn, you do right. Whenever your mama says you're wrong, you do right. When your daddy says you don't matter, you do right. When everybody else wrongs you in your life, do right, do right, do right. It's never wrong to do right. And never right to do wrong. Always do right. When you are just trying to survive, the easiest thing in the world is to try to take a quick exit ramp. I want to help somebody right here. If you don't drive in the mountains a lot, this ain't going to make no sense to you. I preach in the mountains a lot and I end up on 40, I end up on 421, I end up wherever else I end up. Have you ever been driving in the mountains? At the bit, wherever you are, I don't even know if they got them out, I don't drive a lot. And you'll get off the exit, realizing you took the wrong exit, but there's no re-entry ramp. 
and you've got to drive down the road, and you don't put Siri in a nervous breakdown. <laughs> Son, I mean, she's recalculating, recalculating, recalculating. She's over here needing Xanax, and you're trying to figure out what to do. She, Siri has got to be a woman in real life. <laughs> Only person I know that can be wrong, get you messed up, and then make you feel like you've messed up. Am I right about it, son? And I'll take those ramps, and I'll, there's no re-entry. And I have to drive way down the road and get 10 minutes out of the way in order to find another way to get back on. That is what happens when you do wrong to get ahead. You end up getting off getting behind and being lagged in where God wanted you to be. When your family tells you to do wrong, do right. And when the world says the only way to get ahead is to do wrong, do right. When the easiest thing is to justify yourself by doing wrong, do right. And when people tell you that you're going to be behind, do right. And when this world tells you that nobody does it that way anymore, do right. When Joseph ended up in the palace, he realized one thing put him there, and that was doing right when everybody else was doing wrong. 